Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School Board Board of Education meeting for October the the fifth. And we will um, all of the board members are here except for John King. He'll be joining us later on. Session, and we will come back probably around six o'clock to open the meeting. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the public portion of the Santa Monica Malibu, Malibu Unified School District Board of Education meeting of um, October, I have to look at it, October 5th, 2023. Let's go ahead and take row. Mira. Here. Jen Smith. Here. Alisa Mignano. Here. Lori Lieberman. Here. John Keene. Here. Stacy Rouse. Here. Richard Tibildurin Jeshwin. Here, thank you. And Maria Don Vasquez, is Tom, Thomas? Yes, I'm here. Thomas. Hi. Oh, so he's here. Yeah. Let me get, what is, what is Thomas and Vasquez? Raman, okay, I'm sorry. Mr. Raman, so we're all, so the whole board is here. Um, can we all stand up and I guess we would do the, all, all of us can do the Pledge of Allegiance, please. Everybody stand. Ready, begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Before we, let me just uh, read out what we, um, there was some agreements that we made in closed session. The first one, we have three that are um, DN, our DN cases. And it's DN 1007-2324. And the settlement reads as follows. District shall agree to keep student at home in general education with stay put services, including a para three. Parents agrees, parent agrees to waive all claims regarding lack of progress. Three, district shall pay reasonable and compensable attorney's fees and costs in a total amount of $2,500. Moved by Jan, seconded by John, and it was a 7-0 vote on that. The next one, DN 1008-2324. The settlement reads as follows. As compensatory education only and not subject to, to stay put or part of an IEP, the district will reimburse parents for students' tuition at the current at the current attending private school or another accredited private school privately provided between June 2022 and August 2024 in an amount not to exceed $46,000. And the district shall pay reasonable and compensable attorney's fees and costs in an amount of $6,500. This was moved by Richard, seconded by Jen, and it was a 7-0 vote. Okay, the, the last of these, uh, these cases, DN 1009-2324, and the settlement is as follows as compensatory education only and not subject to stay put or part of an IEP, the district will reimburse parents for students' costs of, private aid, of a private aid at a rate not to exceed $35 per hour, excluding holidays, weekends, vacations, or any other no calendar school day. If the district and parents find a mutually 
agreeable NPA for the student, the district agrees to contract directly with the MPA to provide service. And there was no attorney's fees on this case. Moved by Jen, seconded by Lori, and it was a 7-0 vote. Okay, I have two other items that we need to report. Um, and this was reporting out regarding a um, dismissal of a classified employee. In closed session, the board took action to approve a settlement agreement and general release affecting the resignation resignation retirement of a certified employee of the district and it was moved by jen seconded by alicia and it was a 7-0 vote on this one reported yeah really okay i guess i have to be really into the microphone okay yes okay in closed session the board took action to accept the superintendent's rec recommendation to immediately dismiss a permanent classified employee identified by Number QE2878515, pursuant to edu Education Code sections 45302 and 45304, and Personnel Commission Rule 14.1, effective October 6, 2023, and directed the superintendent or designee to notify the director of classified personnel of the board's action. Uh, moved by Jen, seconded by Richard, and it was a 7 0 vote on this. So, this is what we took care of in um, closed session. Okay. Yeah, this it's almost like I have to really get in here. I'm gonna eat this microphone. That's what's gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> um all right. So um can I get a motion to approve um the agenda? I I will move it. Well, we do it right now after the agenda, right? Okay. And before we do, I have something I, I forgot. I'm sorry. We're going to move um, before we approve the agenda. Um, what is it? Um, the report, the SEIU report, right after commendations, because he has something to say regarding the commendation on um, the security, the security, the school security excellence award. So we're going to move Chris Mock's um, report right after that. So it'll be under D, it'll be D, the, the new D2. Right. So that's the change. And then can I get a motion? Okay, I move that subject to that change. Okay. okay. Moved by Lori. Can I get a second? Second in by Alicia. This, we'll take a vote. Mira? Yes. Tom? Yes. Jen? Yes. Alicia? Yes. Lori? Yes. John? Yes. Stacy? Yes. Richard? Yes. And it's a yes by me too. So thank you. Okay. So we'll move on. Now I know. Okay. So can no, I still need to be a friend. Okay. Um, so now we're gonna move to the board of uh, our commendations and recognitions. And we have the 2023 California K-12 School Security Excellence Award that's gonna be presented. Is Gail here? Gail is going to present. Okay, Sarah, we have a guest, I believe, on Zoom. Jeff K. 
Thank you. Good evening, board president, vice president, board members, superintendent, Dr. Shelton, executive cabinet and guests. We would like to congratulate Ms. Tara, Mrs. Tara Brown. Tara, come on up here. Mrs. Tara Brown, director of student services, her department and all SMMUSD campus security officers. All of you to come on up too, please. They have received this fantastic award called the 2023 California K-12 School Security Excellence Award, awarded by School Safety Operations Incorporated. As you are aware, our goal number three of our Local Control Accountability Plan, or LCAP, is all students and families engage in safe, well-maintained schools that are culturally responsive and conducive to 21st century learning. Under the leadership of Mrs. Brown, our campus security officers, along with management, administrators, and staff, work toward this goal. This award recognizes the hard work, efforts, and prioritization of student and staff health and safety across our campuses. Congratulations to Tara and her team and our campus security officers. We appreciate you and honor you tonight. So Sarah, we do we have Jeff Kay? Uh, I'm here, can you hear me? We get his, are you able to turn your video on? I'm having some trouble with my video apparently. Do you have my audio? Let's see if I can so, get the video. Um, we do have Mr. K, President of School Safety Operations, Inc. on Zoom. Jeff, would you like to say a few words? Sure, let me see if I can get my video working. This is, oh, there I am. Can you see me? I look better with the camera off. And do you have me on video, Gal, or audio? Yes, we can hear you, Mr. K. Hey, great. Hey, thanks for having me, everybody. Um, I'd be there in person, but I live in Carlsbad, so it's kind of tough to get up there. My team uh, works at K through 12 school districts throughout the U.S. and Canada. We've been doing this in school safety for uh, since about 2007. Uh, your district originally brought us in to do a uh, hazard and vulnerability assessment of Santa Monica High School, my wife, and do a time and motion study of security while we were doing it. And that's when I first uh, started working with your security folks. And we were impressed with their professionalism and uh, how much they care about culture and climate and the kids and how they interact with the students. And uh, we, we, we just we really had a good experience there. We came back in September of 2022 to finish up that time motion study and uh, work, work with security more. California's got some specific laws and ed codes for school security that uh, other states don't have. So I pointed these out to your, your district folks when uh, we did the assessment and they jumped right on it. And uh, we were also impressed with that, uh, especially in the part with the training. Standardization of training is huge. So they brought my colleague, Jeff Winkler and I, in, uh, into the district in August to present a training for your whole security crew. And you got something good going there in, uh, in your district. We, we, we don't see that kind of um, cohesion in a unit and uh, professionalism and everybody paid attention to the training. So that really impressed us too. So we, we just wanted to give a little token of our appreciation. We, we don't give these awards out too often. Uh, we call it a gatekeeper award, which is our gatekeeper logo. And uh, we, we just wanted to show our appreciation to your crew and to your administration and uh, to Ms. Brown, to Tara for, uh, for what you're doing. We, we always have a long way to go in school safety. We're never where we should be. And we're looking forward to uh, keeping that going, working with you in the future. But um, 
whatever you have going there, let, let's just keep it up because it's, it's, it's better than we usually see in school security and school safety. And, and thank you. Thank you for your efforts and thank you for having me. Thank you. President Leon Vasquez, would you like to say a few words? Sure. Well, you know, we're always proud of everybody here and especially for all of you that in spite of everything that's been happening in the world and you are all there for us and we feel so much safer to have y'all that are that um that we have people like you that are there taking care of taking care of our students and all of us on our campus so thank you all so much for the great work that you do and if i can give you guys a million dollars i would but i don't have it so <laughs> but let me let me just let you know that we all really really appreciate it. i think on behalf of the, the you know the board that we really appreciate the great work that you do for us and keep us keeping us safe so thank you thank you and tara would you we do have some of our amazing security officers in the room with us um, this evening, and we might also have a few on Zoom. I'd like the ones who are here with us to introduce themselves and where they work, just so you know who they are and, and what school site they serve. Um, hi, good evening. My name is Chauncey Jones. Um, I have dedicated 25 years of my life to Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District, and I am a school security officer. Why are you smiling at me like that? At Santa Monica High School. But you um, with me, because they don't want to come to the mic, I'm going to do what they asked me to do for once, and I'm going to introduce them. I have a great partner, Natalie Cornejo. Samo High, another great partner here, Terry Wilson from Lincoln, now Samo High. Mm -hmm. And we have a newbie with us right here, new to the district, new to security, but doing a great job. And that's uh, Chris Della Rosa. Um, he's at Samo High. Um, and we just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for the honoring us and to this fantastic lady right here. We thank you. Thank we you. <laughs> and we appreciate all the work that you've done to make us feel complete. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I wanted to say one other thing. <laughs> to I just like to take this time to thank our Santa Monica Malibu campus security officer team for the support that they provide our staff, our students, our parents, and the community at large. The hard work, quick responses, vigilance, and dedication does not go unnoticed or unappreciated. In a world where security is paramount, our collective role and your collective role is invaluable, and your presence brings peace, peace of mind, reassurance, and comfort to us all. So, Thank you for your service. Oh, yes, Chris. Sorry, sorry, just real quick. Um, since mine is about this as well. So good evening board members, uh, Superintendent Dr. Shelton, Executive Cabinet, staff and community. Tonight we gather here to recognize and honor a group of individuals whose dedication and commitment to the safety of our schools and students have earned them this recognition. It is with great pride and gratitude that we celebrate our campus security officers and this recent achievement. 
in an ever-changing world where the safety and security of our students, staff, and visitors are paramount, our campus security officers stand as the first line of defense and the protectors of our cherished educational environment. They embody the values of vigilance, dedication, and compassion that define our district's commitment to excellence. As educators, we understand that a safe and secure environment is fundamental to the pursuit of knowledge. It is the fertile ground where young minds can flourish, explore, and learn without fear or distraction. Our campus security officers play a vital role in creating and maintaining this environment. And it is high time we acknowledge and celebrate their remarkable achievements. Our campus security officers are not just uniformed personnel, they are mentors, role models, and pillars of support for our students. They foster a sense of belonging and security that, that allows for our young learners to focus on their education, knowing that their well being is in capable hands. We want to also acknowledge our Director of Student Services, Tara Brown, for her commitment to our CSO staff by providing professional development opportunities. Our CSOs have engaged in training programs to enhance their skills, collaborated with law enforcement agencies to stay updated on best practices, and embrace innovative technologies to keep our campuses safe. In closing, it is my honor and privilege to stand before you today and extend our heartfelt gratitude to our campus security officers for their remarkable service, their dedication, professionalism, an unwavering commitment to the safety of our educational community that have earned them this well-deserved award. Thank you and congratulations. Thank you. Jeff, if you can hear us, you're in the picture. So <laughs> just so you know. I, I can hear you. Thanks. I'll smile. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. K. Yeah, sure. So Chauncey can tell you about the uh, D4 logo. That stands for Detect, Deter, Delay, and Defeat. And that's just what we need to do in school safety. You folks doing a good job. Thank you for having me. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Mr. K. Thank you all. And let me go back to one more item. I totally forgot to um, the minutes to approve the minutes from September the 21st, 2023. I'll move the item, Madam Chair. Moved by Richard. Can I get a second? Second, second by Stacy. Let's take that roll, Mira? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Jen? Yes. Alicia? Yes. Lori? Yes. John? Yes. Stacy? Yes. Richard? Yes. And it's a yes, that's passed. Okay, public comment. Uh, Madam Chair, colleagues, we have uh, one person um, with us this evening in person who would like to address, uh, this is very hot, this microphone. Now it's... 
No, it's not. It's not my friend, Sarah. Oh. Um, so colleagues, we have one person, Nikki Kolhoff, would like to address us on our consent agenda this evening. Ms. Kolhoff, welcome. You'll have three minutes to address us. Welcome. Also, as a reminder, you guys still haven't lifted. My time should not be starting. You haven't lifted this up yet so that people don't have to lean over to be heard. Thank you. Alrighty, I am commenting on your approval of independent contractors item. You are bringing in Wendy Wax Gellis again as a fixer. Um, I don't have any issue with Wendy. She's been a fixer for you guys as long as we have been in the district. Um, but what you all need to be asking staff, instead of placing this as a consent item, you need to ask not only for your own knowledge, but for the benefit of the public, why are we bringing in a fixer again? We are missing all sorts of administrators because people are leaving. Do we have an I-House principal or not? The people at SAMO High deserve to know. Uh, technically, the executive director of secondary is also vacant, all that though that position didn't do anything and cost us $600,000 in executive directors. The director of curriculum has been vacant for years and the assistant superintendent for ed services is now vacant, which is the only vacancy you all could not have uh, uh, predicted. The district has lost more people recently like the Lincoln principal, another house principal and a good house advisor. Hector Medrano on the other hand is back at Samo High with no explanation of why he was gone and he appears to be the exact same he was before he left. Your authoritarian regime has not cultivated leaders or competency, it has cultivated loyalty and soldiers. So you are running out of people who can do the jobs we need to educate our kids. This is a huge problem. You are not doing your jobs as the ultimate hiring authority and fiduciary of our public resources if you don't clarify what this hire is for and how you will account for the time to the public. As a reminder, this is similar to when you hired Carter Paysinger as a house principal and the approval was for as needed. That's not good enough. How do you know the person is needed? Were they really working a whole day to collect the full pay, which in this case is $752? Um, what are they doing? Which job role are they holding with all the vacancies? The agenda doesn't make clear. You have promoted a superintendent who has been complicit in all of the issues for the last six years in his capacity of Sam High principal, executive director, and now superintendent. He has limited experience in this role. And if he has to hire below himself, that severely limits your pool of applicants. Is he gonna bring in someone who's good and will highlight areas of incompetence? No. Are you going to hire someone who rightfully questions the current direction of the district? Probably not. You continue to hire and promote loyal soldiers and the more competent people continue to leave. This is not in the best interest of our kids in this community. We need some transparency now and we need hiring of good people now. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Koloff. Colleagues, that concludes um, the public comments for items on our agenda this evening. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now we'll move on to um, communications and Santa Monica High School, Mira. Uh, okay. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, back to school night was a success. Parents got to meet teachers and really got to understand how their kids move through campus throughout the school day. 
Um, ASB helps guide parents and class cabinets sold food and drinks to fundraise. The club's committee has been working hard to finalize the club's list. SAMO has around 160 clubs this year, and students are excited for Club Row, which will happen later this month. ASB has also been fundraising within the past month with multiple restaurant fundraisers. We worked with Panda Express, which was great because of its proximity to campus. Uh, we then sold frozen yogurt from Yogurtland during lunch and are also collaborating with Chick-fil-A and that fundraiser ends tomorrow. Uh, orchestra will also have their first concert of the year tomorrow where there will be food and a raffle. Many other on-campus organizations have also been hosting fun events to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. ASB partnered with Legado Latino Club to host an assembly during flex time and running with speakers helped organize a karaoke night. Today, seniors became part of a long-standing tradition and took the senior panoramic photo. Though it was hot, it was fun to see all the seniors together at the Greek. Sports-wise, Samo Athletics have been doing really well. Um, girls golf, girls tennis, and flag football have, been win have had their wins. Um, and although the football team didn't win this past game, students are really looking forward to next weekend's homecoming game. Uh, homecoming events are arranged differently this year. Uh, the homecoming pep rally is tomorrow and the dance is on Saturday, serving as a kickoff for homecoming spirit days and the football game next week. These past couple weeks have been filled with homecoming proposals, which has been fun. Uh, ASB held a homecoming proposal contest and the winners received free tickets to the dance. Uh, students are excited for the pep rally tomorrow, especially to vote for homecoming court. Uh, students from each class have had lots of fun working together to design and paint class banners, which will also be presented at the homecoming game. Um, over the past month, the south side of Dis Discovery Building has had lots of temperature fluctuations. Um, one morning, my French class thermostat said 53.7 degrees. It warmed up throughout the day, um, but it's still a little bit chilly. Um, but I'm so happy to say that these issues have are being resolved um, and we're now learning at a normal temperature. Um, <laughs> Wi-Fi has been hit or miss. For some, it works fine, but for some students, it's been lagging a lot, so it's difficult to complete assignments. I'm not really sure what the next steps are for this issue, though, because the Wi-Fi does work for some people. Thanks. Thank you, Mira. And then I saw Dr. Dr. Shelton taking notes on things that you need to get fixed. Okay, we'll get on it. All right. So, Thomas, you're on. Hi. Hi. Hello, everyone. So, for what we've been doing at the school the past few weeks, the past two weeks, we had our homecoming game at Homecoming Dance, and we finished up our spirit week with the usual of the seniors winning the spirit week. And our homecoming game went very well with our team winning 41 to six. And some info on our dance, it went extremely well considering we had it at the school and we ended up resulting in a profit margin of about $200 from the dance. And we, along with that, we, uh, we have a blood drive coming up near the end of the month, which we are now starting to get people signed up for. And yeah, it should be going well. It's in cooperation with UCLA as usual. And a thing that ASB has been trying to do recently is bump up the numbers for having student participation in our sports. Since we have our senior, 
we have our senior days coming up for or our senior nights for sports, including today, this which is the senior night for volleyball. We have ASV members there cheering the teams on. We're making posters for them, making like little portraits of all the people on the teams to make sure they're all a little embarrassed, but that's just fun. And um, we're also working with the PDSA right now to have, because we have the mind, our mindfulness week coming up very soon. And yeah, we're going to have a mindfulness week and it's in having some things like we're going to have a sound bath for the students, some meditation, and even a yoga class that will be guided by one of the yoga professionals there. But besides that, we have a club day coming up near the end of the month as well, involving our multitude of clubs where everyone's going to be getting their own food from wherever source they really feel like. We have popular ones with like Starbucks and Boba places and also places like Jersey Mike's are in and out, which are usually big hits. But yeah, we mostly it's just kind of a grace period right now, especially with after the spirit week and everything. But yeah, we also had a successful back to school night for the high school and middle school, with the high school, especially as ASB was selling baked goods for the people who for the parents who were there and we ended up making some money off of that all right well that's what we have so far thank you thomas sounds like you're having some fun over there it's fantastic <laughs> great all right well thank you um let's move on now to uh smmcta claudia bautista nichols Hi everyone. Oh, um, good evening, uh, Dr. Shelton, Deputy Superintendent Kelly. I love saying that. Uh, Executive Cabinet, parents and students. Um, happy Fall and Happy National Latino Latina Latinx Heritage Month. Um, I hope that you are all enjoying the many ways to celebrate the contributions of our Latino Latinx uh, community has made in Santa Monica at the many events in our, at our schools and community. I am particularly looking forward to the Samo High's Latinx Heritage Month celebration on October 16th, that's a Monday, which is kind of weird, but whatever, at 6 p.m. in the student cafeteria. One of the new student clubs will be doing the famous Baile de la Piña, the dance of the pineapple, as a way to celebrate and honor their Oaxacan contributions to our community. This reminded me of the Gelaguetza in Oaxaca, which is of deep cultural importance for the indigenous people of the state of Oaxaca in Mexico. Uh, throughout the celebration, the indigenous cultures of Oaxaca celebrate what their ancestors contributed to the Mexican culture. Many may not realize that the Oaxacan population is made up of many different indigenous cultures that speak their own languages uh, and that they are monolingual. And those that are bilingual, Spanish is their second language. So that's kind of interesting. And at the Gelaguetza, they all join together to exchange food, ideas, and of course, their dances. The new group at Samohai will be featuring at the will be featured at the celebration on the 16th, and they will pay tribute to the dances and the native languages of Oaxaca. I am extremely excited to see that they have also invited other clubs in the community so that they can have a cultural exchange with them. Uh, what a wonderful opportunity to see what is good about our district. So I hope that you will be there and I will see you there. 
On another note, I am also happy to report that at our September representative council meeting, our union's representative council meeting, our teachers voted to support Team Marine's climate literacy resolution. This resolution asks SMMUSD to support curriculum and best practices to prepare students to combat climate change and asks for staff development for teachers to help them acquire a baseline of understanding about climate literacy and for teachers to provide at least one lesson per semester on this topic. The passionate students of Team Marine provided many links with sample lessons and books that can be used in the classroom to support this work. Uh, many of our teachers also supported them. Uh, we look forward to learning more about this initiative in the near future and for a shameless plug because uh, one of the young women, Maya Williams, an immersion student, uh, is being featured in a documentary that is entitled Common Ground, and it's in the movies now, where they are taking their message beyond our community. I am so proud of them. Maya Williams, yeah, it's playing in Santa Monica. Um, our union is also happy to see that you are passing a resolution in support of safe schools. I know that you are all passionate about that work. I also know that you believe in providing an environment where teaching and learning can flourish. That is why I was also glad to see that the new plans for Rogers Early Learning Center will not include glass walls. Yay! Our teachers are grateful that you heard our call for safety. I am hoping that as we move forward with plans for Roosevelt, Franklin, McKinley, Jams, Lincoln, and Samohai, we continue to have this resolution at the forefront of our decision-making. We need to keep all of our schools safe for our children. On another focus at our sites, I want to thank you for directing us to work together to create some systemic changes to our work order system so that we can improve our school environment. I met with Glenn Infuso and the lovely Ana Flores at Maintenance and Operations this week. Uh, the reality is that School Dude, which is the system used, would probably work great for only one school. However, there are 15 sites and hundreds of needs. The current system is not sustainable. There are only a few authorized users, and although our HVAC technician is omnipresent at Samo High. Um, Edwin cannot be there for everyone and fix all of our HVAC buildings problems. From Malibu Middle School to Edison to Samo High and Lincoln, this may mean that as construction continues, we need to think about more specialized technicians to care for our new buildings. Uh, I know that Ana Flores definitely needs help with all of the work orders she tracks on top of the other administrative responsibilities she has. I am looking forward to continuing to work collaboratively with MNO uh, to see how we can streamline the communications with this system. We do have a very tough situation at our HVAC system at Samo High, as you heard from Mira. Uh, the heat this week has been difficult for students and staff. Everyone is working on resolving the issue, but discovery is truly a mystery for us. Discovery is so new, that uh, we do not understand why the problems there are so extreme. Uh, I know we are facing problems with heat and other sites as well. Uh, Edison, for example, has had problems since we started this year and many of the teachers have been displaced due to the heat. Innovation has not had air for a couple of weeks. 
So as you budget for the next facility projects, I urge you to consider training our people to learn how to fix the new systems that we are placing in our building. Professional development should also exist for our SEIU brothers and sisters so that they can solve the problems that we know we'll have, we will have in, our, in the near future in our new buildings. So with that, I thank you for listening and I look forward to seeing you all at our fall festivity throughout the district. And I wish you a good evening. Yeah. And just to let you know, Claudia, that your former um, colleague is going to go and come back. Uh, Jose Lopez will be the, one of the guest speakers at, at night. I just spoke with him. So he'll be there giving us a little history of uh, Latinx um, Heritage Month. Include everybody. Okay. Now we're going to have um, Erica Bell, ETA Council. Good evening. Oh, can you hear? Oh, yes, you can. All right, we'll jump into some <laughs> exciting events. Our Santa Monica schools are participating in the Bike It, Walk It competition this week. BIWI is held to encourage Santa Monica families to forego driving in favor of eco-friendly modes of transportation like walking, biking, or taking the bus to school. It also helps to keep the area just in front of our schools less congested and safer for our kids. So good luck to all those participating schools. And a reminder of this year's reflections theme, I am hopeful because students have started to submit their projects. Due dates are from early to mid-October, and I am eager to see those entries. Our units have several fun activities coming up, including book fairs, fall festivals, and Dia de los Muertos events. McKinley will hold its family literacy night this month, and Roosevelt is planning its peer pleasure event. And Grant Elementary recently hosted its World Cultures Festival. The event was a free after-school international welcome festival for the Grant community and friends. Attendees were treated to free food, performances, sports, arts and crafts, and the opportunity to learn about cultures from around the world. This weekend, our community will begin the restorative justice level one training. I hope to see many of our parents and caregivers at the first of the two-day training this Saturday, October 7th, and again on Saturday, October 28th. A reminder that restorative practices not only benefit our students, but can benefit our entire community by providing parents and caregivers tools to handle conflict appropriately and strengthen interpersonal skills. A huge thank you to the district for providing this training and to Tara Brown for coordinating and Rob Howard for leading the training. Our Malibu units and several of our Santa Monica units will focus much of this year's efforts on student mindfulness and mental health, technology and digital citizenship and student engagement in the PTA. We're encouraged to see our Malibu Middle School and High School PTSA prioritize the S in PTSA and look at ways to engage those secondary students. SMMPTA Council would like to support this effort across our secondary units and help empower students to get involved and add their voice to our PTAs. The more we hear from our students, the more appropriately targeted our efforts can be. SMMPTA Council would like to look into opportunities to further support student physical and mental health and community well-being, whether through parent presentations like our fentanyl awareness and distribution events, 
or supporting our units and creating budgets that support mental health events and activities. We will also continue discussions with school counselors, social workers, and other mental health staff at all levels to see how we can best advocate and support. The concern about screen time and social media misuse on the mental health of our children and youth continues to increase. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're encouraged by this board's important step in joining litigation to address the responsibility of social media companies. We plan to collaborate to bring presentations and more awareness to the issue. Julia Storm recently provided a screen time assembly to third through fifth graders at Grant Elementary. A few of our PTA leaders are hoping to see the same at their schools. We hope that district leaders, parents, and caregivers will join us in efforts to protect our kids as we establish healthy online habits and behaviors. And as for other community concerns, our PTA council will continue to advocate for a seven period schedule that will give students the opportunity to take the needed courses to be competitive in college applications while continuing to take classes that keep them engaged and well-rounded. And as you all know, as a MPTA council exec board was made aware of concerns about the change from MERV 13 filters down to MERV 8 or 11 in our schools over the summer. We're encouraged by the district administration's willingness to meet and discuss these concerns with PTA Council and concerned parents and staffs. We would like to acknowledge that SMMUSD Board of Education and district administration has acted in ways that they feel best serves our district and its constituents. We also believe the concerns are valid and would like to continue discussions and do what we can to assist and support efforts to address these concerns. Our PTA Council continues to partner with LA Versus Hate, a community-centered system that aims to address the normalization of hate and inspire people to stand up to it, build understanding about what constitutes a hate act and how to report it, as well as support individuals and communities as they heal from the trauma of hate. LA Versus Hate encourages all in LA County to report hate when you see it. While a crime should be reported to the police, a hate act, such as hate graffiti, can be reported by calling 211. As the website states, by tracking and reporting hate, we can ensure that resources are allocated appropriately, that those targeted by hate receive the support they need, and that together we can build respectful and resilient communities. We hope to provide training to our leaders about the program, local statistics on hate acts in our cities, the difference between a hate crime and an act of hate, and ways to resist and report. I would love to see our district recognize and support United Against Hate Week 2023, which is this year, November 12th through the 18th. Let's continue to create cities that are safe and welcoming for all our children and families. As a reminder, PTA is the oldest and largest child advocacy association in America. Our PTA council currently has at least 2,462 members across all of our units. I'd like to again encourage each of our board members and district employees to become members and show support. We invite all who support our mission to advocate for all Santa Monica and Malibu students. And we look forward to continuing this important work together. Good evening. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, moving on to superintendent. Good evening, everyone. Um, first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much, Erica, for the World Cultures Festival. I, uh, Maria, myself, and uh, Alicia 
uh, Alicia were there and Jen, Jen was there as well. We had a great time. Um, it, it was great to be around the students um, and participate in this opportunity to just celebrate the cultures that exist within our school community. And also you mentioned, uh, I same things that you mentioned, I'm mentioning tonight as well, I'll skip over one of them, but October is bike it, walk it, uh, bus it month. And one of the greatest things about this opportunity is that we all can participate. One of the young ladies at Smash walks up to me and says, I just, I don't know who you are, but I wanna invite you to bike it, walk it with us. Uh, she's standing about three feet tall and, and she's explaining to me why. And so it gave me an opportunity yesterday. I rode my electric bike, yes. Uh, my five and a half miles away uh, uh, here. And it was uh, just such a reflective opportunity for anyone that gets to get on that bike and come to work with a clear mind. So it's awesome how our students can remind us from zero to whatever age, uh, the importance of being a participant in the activities that exist within our school district. Also, I wanted to remind everyone um, that a celebration of life uh, for our assistant superintendent, Dr. Mora, is planned on a, for Saturday, October 14th at 10 a.m. There will be a mass and followed by an 11 a.m. reception at St. Monica's. Uh, we reported the unexpected passing of Dr. Mora two weeks ago and continued to hold her in our hearts. And uh, believe me, her work is still being continued. Uh, if you would like to attend just RSVP so that we have a number uh, of those who are participating and will be, uh, be there. I also wanted to, uh, uh, we went through the process as the board asked of, of me to, uh, for the resolution uh, that our students are brought to us. Uh, they went through the process. They met with SMMCTA. We had the students come to uh, a principal's meeting. It, it was awesome to see how productive this opportunity was and to share. Um, and I will bring this back to you all uh, to pass this resolution, hopefully um, soon in, in November. So we will talk more about that in leadership so that you all know, because we have a plan that was called a collaborative plan uh, with Austin Tamayan going through the process with some of our teachers and SMMCTA being able to get this done. Uh, as we all know, we want resolutions that we actually can put forth and, and that are actionable. And this is one of those things that I believe we can do together. A couple of other items that I want to make sure are clear. I, I believe there was some uh, miscommunications and I wanna make sure that everyone knows where we are uh, with the Civic Auditorium. Um, the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District continues to be interested in purchasing and rehabilitating the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium, currently owned by the city of Santa Monica. The district has a sound plan uh, to revitalize the civic uh, and multi-purpose or multi-use performance event facility um, that respects its historic and community significance. Since the district shared its plan for rehabilitating uh, the Civic Center in September, other organizations and individuals have been vocal in their desire and claims to have the ability and resources to find another interested party who can restore and rehabilitate the Civic. With this in mind, the district has decided to step aside in order to allow time and opportunity for alternative proposals to be made 
to the city. While SMMUSD uh, will not submit a proposal at this time, the district continues to have an interest. And I, and I must make sure we're clear. We still have an interest in pursuing the purchase of the Civic should another entity not surface. Um, and, and I wanna make sure everybody knows if another entity is not interested, we would then go back and, and have these conversations. But at this time, we are going to step aside and let the, the city do its due diligence. Another piece that uh, I want to share with you is our uh, fraud investigation. We sent out or will send out information about uh, this investigation. Uh, the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District has been involved in an investigation of a $2.9 million fraudulent transaction involving construction funds uh, that was first discovered in late August of this year. Thanks to the efforts of our quick act acting district staff, uh, LACO, Los Angeles County Office of Education staff, the Santa Monica Police Department, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, $2.7 million was recovered, leaving a shortfall of $200,000, which the district is aggressively pursuing. We want our money, we want to get it back, and we are pursuing that. The district has not made a prior public comment regarding the incident to avoid interfering with ongoing investigations and the recovery of the monetary shortfall. While uh, the investigation uh, have not con con concluded and efforts are still underway to recover the shortfall, given the duration of time since the incident, the district has believes it's appropriate to share the details of the incident with you. Um, we became aware of, uh, that we were a victim of, carefully, of a carefully orchestrated online hack regarding a regular electronic funds transfer to a current construction or contract construction contractor on August 28, 2023. It appears that a hacked email account was used to perpetrate this fraud. The SMMUSD technology department determined that an SMMUSD email account was not the source of the hack. The district has made a demand of the company whose email appears to have been comprised, compromised to reimburse the district for the remainder, $200,000. The special agent assigned to the case commended the staff for uncovering the fraud and acting as quickly as we did. SMMUSD continues to use all means available to pursue the shortfall, we want our money back. The fiscal purchasing and facility improvement departments have completed a review of our procedures. An extensive safeguard have been implemented to prevent this type of incident from occurring in the future. We do appreciate the quick efforts of our staff and all law enforcement officials involved who supported the outcome, the positive outcome. And we still know that we have some money to get from those who did commit a crime against us. That's my report for this evening. I wanna remind everybody there is homecoming coming. You remember the excitement that uh, Malibu had mentioned and we need to do the same thing for Mira at Samoa High. I think they have a dance on Saturday. 
So if you want, I know Murray probably needs some chaperones, so board members, if you want to go and, uh, as the kids would say, turn up a little bit, uh, you can come over to Samo High and uh, turn up and serve some water to the kids and, and uh, be reminded of what it was like back in way, way, way back in the day for John. Um, but just so you all know. I promised mine I would not come. <laughs> well, so now for anybody that's in the dance is Saturday, right? Okay. Those that want to go shake a leg there, go ahead <laughs> and take care of the kid and shake a leg. <laughs> I know that sounds you. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Superintendent. And now going on to consent items. Can I get a motion to move the consent items? Moved by Richard, seconded by Lori. Let's take that vote. Mira? Yes. Thomas? Thomas? Um, he might have gone going while he's doing his homework. Jen? Yes. Alicia? Yes. Lori? Yes. John? Yes. Stacy? Yes. Richard? Yes. And I'm an abstention. Okay. Um, we move on to the discussion item. Uh, we're considering the revising of board policy and, and regulations um, 6173 education for homeless children. Who is going to present that one? Oh, Tara. Tara is going to present that one. I know we're going to be doing a lot of revisions of board policies um, just to bring them up, up to date. It's been a while since some of us, and I think. We were going to do the committee. Was it Alicia and Stacy? That were, are you? Are you two going to be on the subcommittee? And Richard to do the policy revisions. Okay, all right. So you're officially in the three of you. So, <laughs> so I, it depends on what areas I guess the board policies are, where you know different people, different staff is going to present it depending upon the area where they fall under. Okay. It doesn't fall in the Okay. Good evening. Uh, Superintendent Shelton, uh, President Maria Leon Vasquez, John Keane, Lori Lieberman, Alicia Menano, um, Stacy Rouse, and Jen Smith, and Deputy Superintendent uh, Dr. Kelly and Senior Cabinet. Thank you so much for the opportunity to present to you this evening. Um, we would like to consider doing some revisions of board policy and AR 6173 which is education for homeless children. Oh, Richard is also here. Oh, Richard, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to leave you out. I never would do that. <laughs> I apologize. Okay, for some reason I can't get my slide in the slideshow mode. I don't know why. 
I'm using a different computer than I normally do. It's hidden. There we go. Thank you. Okay, so why do we need to revise this policy? We recently had a FPM monitoring audit and they identified that this board policy was extremely out of date and needed to be updated as soon as possible. Um, so we wanted to update it to align it with the updates from CSBA um, policy manual. So the first re revision that's recommended is that in the BP, we replace the term homeless student with the term ex student experiencing homelessness. It's just um, a better way to, to phrase it. And also all references to students are now made gender neutral. So that's something that we're wanting to do in our board policies going forward. Okay, so in the BP, one of the revisions is that we wanna make sure the LCAP goals include goals and specific actions to improve student achievement and include um, provisions for students experiencing homelessness. So our district policies need to be reviewed once every three years to ensure the removal of barriers to the education of homeless students and unaccompanied youth. Um, we wanna make sure that our policies include identification, enrollment, retention of students, all of that needs to be addressed in our policy and is now addressed in this policy. Also in this policy, we specify that we need a designated homeless liaison to assist in identifying and supporting students. We've always had an identified homeless liaison, that's the director of student services, that's me. However, we just now it's in the policy that we need to have one, but we've always, always had one. Um, so a lot of this we've already been doing in practice. It just hasn't been in our policy. I, I wanted to clarify that a lot of this is, is already practice. Um, annually provide and administer a housing questionnaire to students in their language and use the data to report to CDE the number of students experiencing homelessness again. This is something we already do, but it's in our policy now. Um, the district liaison, me, um, my contact information needs to be in the um, policy. Now, the way we did it in the policy is we put director of student services. We didn't necessarily put my name, but we put the director of student services and the contact information for the director of student services. We didn't necessarily put my name because that way it doesn't have to be person specific, it's role specific, if that makes sense. Um, students experiencing homelessness also cannot be segregated into a separate school program based on their status and cannot be stigmatized in any way. And we don't do that now. We need to collaborate with local social services, agencies and other agencies and entities to provide services to students experiencing homelessness and we need to connect them with transitional housing facilities as necessary. We do currently do that. We work with St. John's a lot for many of these services. Also in on the policy now, it says annually, the liaison and other appropriate staff shall participate in identifying and meeting the needs of students experiencing homelessness 
and annually report to the CDE the number of homeless students graduating from fourth and fifth year of high school or who graduated with an exemption based on AB 1806. So under AB 1806, that's an assembly bill, students experiencing homelessness can graduate with less credits than, um, than is necessarily required by district policy. This really helps remove the barrier to students experiencing homelessness, homelessness graduating, um, especially if they've transitioned from school to school to school to school to school during their high school years and haven't been able to be stable at a school. We also did some rev revisions to the AR um, in regards to unaccompanied youth. Uh, the definition now says it's a homeless child or youth that's not in the physical custody of a parent or guardian. Again, when we've had unaccompanied youth in the past, we have always uh, given them the same um, rights as students experiencing homelessness. We always give immediate enrollment, um, no need for records and records of immunizations right away. We get all of that as they're uh, but they are immediately enrolled. The term school of origin is now in the policy and it means the school that the student is experiencing homelessness attended when permanently housed or the school in which the student was last enrolled and that includes preschool. So again, we have been following the school of origin rule on um, this entire time, but now it is in our policy. The school of origin rule is basically if a student, say a student is attending Santa Monica High School and they become homeless while attending Santa Monica High School, Santa Monica High and SMMUSD is now the district and school of origin. So they're entitled to stay at that school, even if they end up and, and at the district, even if they move outside the district or to another school. Um, we're their school and district of origin and they have rights to stay with us. So that's the term has been clarified in our board policy, exactly what it means. Also in the board policy now, we have to put that in determining, me the, me the liaison determining what is the best placement for a student experiencing homelessness, I have to consider their best interest. I do do that now, um, but it's in our policy. And it means that consideration is given to their educational stability and the opportunity to be educated in the least restrictive educational setting necessary for them to achieve academic progress. Also in the policy, I will assist, facilitate, and represent a student experiencing homelessness who is undergoing a disciplinary proceeding that might result in expulsion including participating in the manifestation determination meeting. So if we have a student experiencing homelessness, um, me as the liaison needs to help and facilitate and represent the student at meetings, during the hearing, and at the manifestation determination meeting. Factors to consider for students experiencing homelessness and things that the district needs to prioritize are also revisions to the policy. Um, we need to prioritize the request of the parent or guardian as far as where, what school they would like their student placed in, request of the student. Um, we need to 
consider the student's educational stability, least restrictive environment, what the impact of the school placement is on their education, uh, health and safety of the student also needs to be considered. In the AR, we also have um, that outstanding fines, not having a uniform, not having residency in the school district, not having immunization records, or if they're missing enrollment deadlines, none of that can be a factor. The student needs to be immediately enrolled and we cannot use that as reasons to deny a student enrollment. So that is now in our administrative regulation. If a student is placed at a school other than their school of origin or the school requested by the parent or guardian, then the district will provide the parent or guardian with a written explanation of the reasons for the decision. Um, included with my packet for the board was an exhibit packet. And this uh, form that parents can fill out is exhibit 16173. And it's, it's a form that parents can fill out if they want a written, um, it's actually, it's a form we fill out providing a written explanation to the parent of the reason for the decision for school placement. So that's, that's a form I would fill out. We also have a form for the parents to fill out if they would like to appeal. That's a different. Also, if there's a change in residence, the student may continue attending the student school of origin for the duration of their homelessness. If a dispute comes up in regards to whether a student is with homelessness is eligible for consideration or priorities given to a student experiencing homelessness, then uh, or if a dispute arises in regards to school selection or enrollment, then the parent can file a dispute and they can use enrollment form E2 in the exhibit packet. And this shall be provided. Um, to the parent with a written explanation of any decision related to eligibility, school selection, or enrollment, and their right to appeal the decision to the superintendent. And then if after they appeal the decision to the superintendent, if they uh, still want to further appeal, then they may appeal to the LA County Office of Education, which is LICO. Also, we address transportation in the policy as well. The district must provide transportation for students experiencing homelessness. We have to provide it to and from the student school of origin as long as they are experiencing homelessness within SMMUSD's boundaries. If the student moves outside the boundaries, then the district liaison must collaborate with the new district where the student is residing to agree upon a method to apportion the responsibility and costs of the transportation. Once a student secures permanent housing, then the once the student secures permanent housing, the district is not obligated to provide transportation to students continuing to attend their school of origin. So basically, this means that while a student is experiencing homelessness within our school district, um, if they need transportation help. I need to provide that for them. If they become permanently housed, 
and it's in another school district, then they, we need, I need to collaborate with the new school district to help provide transportation for that student back to the school in Santa Monica if they would like to stay in Santa Monica Malibu School District. So either way, we're providing the transportation, but if they're outside the district, then I'm collaborating with the, the student services director in the new district to help provide transportation. Um, we, we work on it together. Okay, in regards to credits um, for students experiencing homelessness, um, the district, we need to accept and issue both full and partial credit for coursework that the student has completed while attending another public school, a juvenile court school, a charter school, a non-public school, or a school in another country other than the United States. A student experiencing homelessness who has completed the second year of high school and transfers into the district, then we can offer the student an exemption. And this is what I was talking about earlier under AB 1806. Um, and this is basically they're exempted from all district established coursework and other district established graduation requirements. Within 30 days of the student transferring, the school must inform the parent or guardian if the student is eligible for an exemption to graduate with a reduced credit requirement. This exemption cannot be revoked. And even if the student transfers to another school, students experiencing homelessness are also eligible to stay in high school a fifth year in order to complete their graduation requirements. So if they need to stay in school an extra year in order to complete graduation requirements, they're eligible to do that. And that's now in our revised AR. Student experiencing homelessness who enroll in any district school can have access to extracurricular activities. So that's also addressed in our new ARS extracurricular activities. They're available to all students and they need to be available to students, including the students experiencing homelessness. Again, we can't discriminate, we can't segregate, we can't stigmatize. This is also including, but not limited to, interscholastic sports administered by CIF. As far as posting the rights of students, information regarding ed rights of students experiencing homelessness, need to be included in the uniform complaint procedures. They're out, outlined in the district annual notification handbook provided to parents. So every year my office puts out an annual notification handbook. We did it again this year. Um, and so in any that I do going forward, as we've done in the past, I need to make sure that um, rights of students experiencing homelessness are, are included in that document. Any complaint that the district has not complied with requirements regarding to the education of students experiencing homelessness may be filed in accordance with the district's uniform complaint procedures. And information regarding the district homeless liaison, again, that must be posted on the district website and on the school websites. And we do have that information currently on our district website. We also have resources on our district website for students experiencing homelessness. We have uh, my contact information. So that's all already there. Gail Pinksker was wonderful in helping me get that all posted and Marianne Solomon. So thank you. Okay, we did revisions to exhibit one. 
Again, that's in the exhibit packet. Um, we have a district explanation document for the enrollment decision. I mentioned that earlier. And we also have to put the factors that the district considered in determining what school that we're placing a student experiencing homelessness in. Um, we have any other options that we considered that we have to put on that document, any factors relevant to the district's decision and information on how to make an appeal if they're not happy with the placement and contact information for the district, county and state liaison. So the changes are coming forward. Um, we're doing discussion tonight and come forward for changes on the 19th and also changes to the AR and exhibits will come forward on the 19th as well. Any questions? Lauren? Um, do we know how many students we have who are ex currently experiencing homelessness? I can get that information to you, but it's under Roughly, rough. It's I'm under it's under it. seventy. Okay. Um, and I guess this is a question and a comment at the same time. You in your report said that many of these things we were already doing but some of them represent changes, although a lot of it seems to be in how we name things and some of that. But so my, my question really goes to, um, do people besides you, do the staff who implement all the pieces of this, <laughs> know what the policy and the AR says and is there a plan for sharing that to the extent they don't. Yes, so I do um, meet with meet and train different groups in the district. One of them is our office enrollment assistance. So we will, when the next meeting, I will go through um, our changes with them and the different documents that they, that are in the exhibit packet and make sure um, it's very clear in regards to the rules for enrolling students experiencing homelessness. I also meet with co-administrators who, another name if, is an assistant principals, and I will go through it with them. Um, and I meet with the counselors, I will also go through it with them. So these, those are three main groups that deal with our students experiencing homelessness that need to know all our policies and procedures. And I will go and be doing that as soon as this is all solidified and approved. I have a quick question. Um, I, you know, I imagine that you would actually go through the same regulation anybody would, but I would, how does um, special education fit in with homelessness in these sense? It seems like it would be something very hard to track, very hard to find past records, maybe, you know, so what, um, is it paid, not is it paid attention to, but how does it get attention? So if a student experiencing homelessness enrolls and they're a student that has special education services, again, we would immediately enroll them. If they have a copy of their IEP, we would ask them for it. Um, if they don't have a copy of it, we would try and obtain it from their last school. Also, we have a system called SACE. Um, we might be able to look it up on there. I also have a system that's available to me through the county where I can 
get records for homeless students, students experiencing homelessness. And so I would look on that system as well to see if I could, what records I could get from that system to see if the um, IEP was on there, their immunization records, all of that that I could forward to the school. So we would do our best to get all the information that we could as soon as we could so that we could get the student in the least restrictive environment and the appropriate placement for the student and the services that they need as soon as possible. Is that what you were asking? I think so, but also that maybe some students um, you know, coming, uh, coming through might, obviously you're determining a lot of factors in their lives that present might present educational barriers and how I, I would imagine that maybe, and maybe it takes them being placed for a teacher to acknowledge or to uh, be able to assess in that way, but also with their special circumstances. Yes, and if anything brought to our attention, we would immediately try and address. We do have, again, we work very closely with St. Joseph Center for um, certain things, clothing, food, shelter. Um, if they need counseling, we have that available at all of our schools, uh, high schools, elementary schools. So we, we would just try and address whatever needs that arise as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I have a question. Um, this is regarding the un unaccompanied youth. Mm -hmm. And um, if you can expand on that, because um, we talked about students experiencing homelessness, and then we talk about unaccompanied youth, and that's a completely different um, experience. And so if you could expand on. So the, the reason that unaccompanied youth was included here is to make sure that any students who are unaccompanied youth receive the same priority um, treatment that um, we would give to students experiencing homelessness, which means we're removing the barriers, any barriers they have in enrolling in school and getting an education. So if they're in an unaccompanied youth, they're, we enroll, we're enrolling them, they are in, we're not asking, where's your records? Where's your, you know, this, where's your proof of residency? Where's your immunizations? Where's your, we're not asking all of that right away. It doesn't mean we don't need it, but we're not going to keep them from enrolling in school without it. So we're removing that barrier. We're not saying an unaccompanied youth is the same as a student experiencing homelessness, but we want to give them the same treatment as far as removing the barriers. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. That, that makes sense. Okay. Thank you. And then I have another another um, question. Um, you talked about permanent housing. I know that um, for students experiencing homelessness, um, what 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 is permanent housing? What is that defined so as? If a student is 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 in a situation where they don't have a permanent place to live and then say they're working with with an agency and at some point they do receive a permanent place to live, uh, permanent housing, where they're not going from house to house to house and the shelter that they're staying in is not temporary, it's permanent, they're going to stay there. Well, if they're here in Santa Monica, Malibu, and then maybe they receive permanent housing in Los Angeles, what the policy is saying is that they're allowed to stay with us if they would like to stay with us even though they are permanently now staying in Los Angeles. Thank you. Uh -huh. 
Um, I think this kind of uh, builds on a question that was asked earlier um, with the professional development and, and those pieces. So I appreciate you identifying the key areas where mm -hmm. we know they'll have a high likelihood of running into that. I could see um, there being uh, hesitancy for either students or families to share this because they might not understand what will be done with that and they they may be protective of what they're doing so um if that's disclosed um to a teacher or um something like that do teachers or other places that might hear that kind of information um is is there um, education in that way to help them be sensitive to that and know what to do and how to handle it so they have multiple doors into the services provided and we know how to appropriately respect the wishes of the child and the, the student and the family as well. Yes. We we do try and handle the matters confidentially. Um, a student's status as far as their homelessness is not something that is common information. It's a need to know. Um, so if you need to know, then you know an administrator might need to know or a counselor might need to know or the teachers might need to know. If a student reveals something to a teacher that one somebody else doesn't know and needs to know, then, then the teacher can share that with the counselor or the administrator to help bring the appropriate people into the situation to handle whatever concerns are going on. Because we wanna make sure that the student feels safe, that they feel comfortable, that they feel um, engaged in the educational environment and that they're happy. And so whoever needs to be brought into that conversation to make that happen is brought into the conversation. Um, when a student enrolls in school, they do receive a form. Um, any student enrolls in school, they receive a form that they can fill out if they are experiencing homelessness. But sometimes people don't feel comfortable filling that out. And so the information might come to us from another way, like you said, like maybe a student might talk to a teacher or they might talk to a counselor. Um, so we, we follow up from, from that piece where we get the information and, and go from there. But we try to keep the information circle close. Um, we don't tell more people than need to know. Just a quick follow-up on what Alicia had raised and I was looking back at the language in the board policy. We don't need to do it here, but I think when you bring this back, I would suggest changing the title in some way, because there's different ways to do it, to include uh, unaccompanied youth, because then you, anyone needing to know knows that that's included in there. Because the way it reads, I, this may be with the CSBA, whatever they call it, so what? I, they should change theirs too, <laughs> because this is if this is the board policy that references both students experiencing homelessness, which is maybe what the title should say even, and unaccompanied youth, and they are, in fact, they are different categories. They could overlap, but they might not. Um, Sometimes I think an unaccompanied youth could be yeah, yeah, that's homeless as well. They might have a double situation, but right. like you said, and like Ms. Alicia said, there's two different, um, there are two different categories. As far as the title, I think it comes from... I'm sure it comes from CSBA, yeah. but we're not... We don't have to keep that. And it's this, well, you're gonna tell me we do? No, we don't. We have we have changed the language that 
they give us all the time. So to change a title, I have emailed CSBAs. They have an email address. You can communicate with them with on policies. And we have said, oh, we need to update or add a policy um, that might be specific to SMMUSD. And so it's number blah, 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 0.11. We would like to add it. And they will tell us that's not available. We're going to assign you this and we're going to name it that. And I'm like, no, no, that's not what we're looking for. And they are, yeah. we can request it. But, I, I would yeah. like to ask that we look into it because I feel that if board policies are worth anything, they need to tell people where they can find what they're looking for. And if you don't tell them that in the title, how people don't need to read every policy we have here to, if they are, for instance, an unaccompanied youth, how in the world would they know to look here? So I just think we should find, all right, obviously if we can't do it, we can't do it, but I'd like to request that we consider that. We will ask. Thank you. And just to, uh, let me just clarify, because I think we have a timeline on when we need to approve this because of the federal thing. And so that's, I don't know how quickly we can do that. But just, I know in the past we did actually, um, some, some of our policies are not strictly CSBA. Some of them we've actually um, created ourselves. We've written them. But I don't know if, then again, um, whether we've kept our titles, but we just rewrote the, the, the policy that would fit our district better. Dr. Kelly, do you, you remember we've done that before? Yeah, we've had policies that were unique to Santa Monica Mountains. We can do that. I think we probably can change it. I think what we're referencing and what Ms. Warnbrock is talking about is how these things get cataloged in the systems and comparability. But I think there's probably a way to do it. So we can probably get an answer to that before it would come back on the 19th. Okay, great. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay. Well, thank you. So I'll come back, hopefully with uh, some changes or not. We'll see. <laughs> we'll look into that. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. Okay. okay thank, thank you for your so time. Much. Oh, no, thank you. This is great. I learned a lot of stuff today. Um, we're now going to major action items. Uh, resolution, adopting resolution 2324 in support of safe school month. Here, I'll read the um, result. Therefore, be it resolved that Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District holds regular drills and prescribed, as prescribed in both school site and district emergency plans, and that said plans involve all school district personnel, local law enforcement, fire and medical rescue personnel, emergency management personnel, and others essential to preventing mitigating or resolving any potential crises. Be it further resolved that Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District reviews school site discipline rules and procedures to ensure they are appropriately enforced and that student slash parent handbooks explaining codes of conduct, unacceptable behavior and disciplinary consequences are given to all students, parents and caregivers. Be it further resolved that the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District will continue to work with a broad spectrum of local community partners, law enforcement, 
mental health professionals, parents, students, teachers, and staff to take any threats of violence seriously and to develop, implement, and monitor policies and programs that foster and support a positive school climate free from harassment and violence. Be it further resolved that Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District urges the state of California and the United States Congress to invest in wraparound services to prevent bullying, harassment, discrimination, and violence in our schools, and to provide funding for programs and staff such as counselors, nurses, and psychologists that support students' mental, physical, and emotional health. Thank you. And can I get a motion to move it? Yes. Yeah. I don't, I have a, I um, no, we're just gonna we're just gonna move it right now. Then we can go into discussion. Okay, perfect. So, can I get a motion to move by Stacy, seconded by um, Lauren? Okay, we can now go into discussion. Um. So, uh, my question in this um, is about um, the very first paragraph where it talks about everyone involved with the drills. Um, and I appreciate uh, how comprehensive it is. And I know that we have um, partners on campus that we have MOUs with, and I know technically they would be considered under this and others essential. Um, I just wanna make sure that the resolution is, is mirrored in practice because we've had um, isolated incidents in the past where they, they maybe haven't gotten the same information. So just making sure that those, that, that communication um, goes both directions because it's just essential. We want good partnership. We strive toward that. So just want to make sure that MOU people are on our mind when when we enact this. I don't know who I mean this would fall under this statement. Okay. All right. Okay. Make sure. No. Okay. Lauren? Um, I would like to propose an additional, be it further resolved, because as I read this, it does cover an incredibly wide range of safety issues. But one of the issues that it doesn't ever mention in the be it further resolved, though it does, there is a whereas, which references it is guns and gun violence. And so all of the, I mean, the whole, everything is, seems to be so geared toward accepting the existence of violence. And I would like to add something if there were enough people who want to do this that says some, I wrote something very quickly and I'm not in any way wedded to the language, but we have this one that says, be it further resolved that Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District urges the state of California and the US Congress to invest in wraparound services, et cetera. So I was thinking we could add a paragraph after that that said, be it further resolved that SMMUSD urges the state of California and the US Congress, so paralleling that, to pursue any and every constitutionally and legally permissible means of regulating position, possession and availability of weapons, especially focused on, but not limited to guns. That I just feel like that there's a glaring something missing here. And that when most people think about safety at schools, what they're scared about is guns more than any of the rest of this, not that all the rest of this isn't super important. So if we're gonna do this, even though really all it is is a statement, 
I, I would like to propose adding language like that. We can, we can add that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And the guns be more specific in assault, assault weapons. <laughs> guns, i.e. assault weapons. You mean more specific in terms of just saying guns? Because I know the, the conversation has always been, they don't really want to eliminate guns, but at least uh, because of the, you know, um, the constitutional right to bear arms, but then um, the whole thing, at least the elimination of the assault weapons, which is what I think um, Diane Feinstein, governor, you know, state, you know, U.S. Senator Diane Feinstein, that was her key legislation that she, you know, she um, moved many years ago. And so I don't know if we can include it in there. And what you have, I guess, is everybody okay with the language that Lori's brought up? It's hard to bring like the night of, and I appreciate what you're, I understand yeah, what you're, yeah. um, um, be it further resolved that Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District urges the state of California and the U.S. Congress to pursue any and every constitutionally and legally permissible means of regulating possession and availability of weapons, especially focused on, but not limited to, guns. Uh, or maybe we don't, maybe you should just, instead of saying weapons, if you like, I mean, I think weapons is probably more encompassing, but if we just say availability of guns, which is really the main yeah. weapon people are scared of, and rightfully so, <laughs> if we could say guns, i.e., or no, e.g., I guess, for example, assault weapons. I mean, because I am saying constitutional legally permissible. Right, I'm not right. making the decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I no, you leave it open. I don't, but again, yeah. I'm open. It's really the, but I, I just feel like we should be, we've actually adopted resolutions in favor of gun control before. So it's consistent right. with right. things that we've done. Well, I, I support the language. So I guess if we read the resolution, I guess you would just- I sent it to Sarah, so okay. she has it too. Okay, so we have that and we're gonna add that. And Alicia seconded it. So Lori moved it. Amend it, okay, seconded. Do, sorry, Lori, you were making me think. Do do we need an amendment? Is it is it clear enough for the language of what I was speaking about earlier with other partners? Because we, we do specifically list a wide range of things and we don't, it, I would think it would be something like after all school district personnel approved educational partner providers, something like that, that specifically, because we have people on our campuses working with our kids that are not in this category that are regular, that would be part of these plans. And you are looking at the, therefore be it resolved on the, the second. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, hold regular drills in both school site and district emergency plans, and that said plans involve all district, school district personnel, comma, local law enforcement, and goes on to list. So I would think maybe after school district personnel to add in um, approved educational partner providers. Madam Chair, may I suggest that um, since it is the month of October and we do have another um, meeting that this be then postponed and brought back? 
about, <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this from the dais, I think, in my my view. I mean, I mean, if we're going to more than just one, I right. mean, I don't, I don't have any problem with that, but I honestly don't know what we're supposed to do, given that we never see these until they're coming to a board meeting. So there's really no opportunity to do it in any other way. Um, so we, I, I don't have any problem with with waiting and bringing it back. No, no, no. It's no, it's a major it's action a major item. item. So, but we've always said that we're. I mean, we've always said that we would be making sure that we, if we were to make changes like this, we would let the superintendent know in advance, and so then any board member could see a resolution like this and then make a, a change and have it, you know, presented by that evening. I, it's just hard to do. I'm supportive. I would vote. I would vote. I know. I understand what you're saying, and I don't mean to be disrespecting what you're saying. I'm. I'm just saying the process is difficult and in this case you're right the whole month of october is yes yeah, so i just it, I mean, gives it us was, the if it time. was like a week of and it's not it's the whole month and if it was in my view i would just say if it's adding the one further resolve that you mentioned i'm ready to vote for that tonight but then if we start opening up other pieces and the whereas i, I just don't think it's wise to do that if we're going to reopen the entire resolution What is what would you like to do? Do you want to continue it for and so that? But then who's going to actually work on the wording? That's what I'm asking. So, um, okay. And you, okay, Stacy, can you send? Okay, sorry, I should have said that. And to hear, I mean, I sent Sarah the language I was proposing, so you guys in leadership can take that and do what it. With it, what you will can do that and with the with the, the superintendent. All right, great. And I've noted what to do for next time with the resolution if something comes. Yeah, something up. So comes up you. to you to bring bring raise it to to the you can bring it up to the superintendent before, so that we're ready to to take this on. Okay, so this is gonna we'll bring this back on uh, the next the next board meeting. All right, so now we're going back to the next. Um, The next resolution, which is the week of the school administrator. Yes. There's one resolve for my colleagues. Um, be it resolved by the governing board of the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District that all administrative school leaders in the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District be commended for the contributions they make to student achievement, the commitment to the overall well being of students and their impact on the communities they serve. Therefore, the board declares the week of October 8th through the 14th, week of the school administrator in the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District. Okay, can I get it? I'll move it. Moved by Lori and seconded by Alicia. Let's take the vote. No, I saw everybody's raising their hand. I go, oh, are we gonna change this too? <laughs> okay, Jen? Yes. Alicia? Yes. Lori? Yes. John? Yes. Stacy? Yes. Richard? And it's a yes by me too. Go to the next one. Oh, this is the annual public hearing and adoption uh, resolution 23, which is the efficiency of instructional materials and the Williams Settlement instructional material. I think everybody saw the actual report um, as information item one. And everything was good. I think. I'll move to open the hearing, Madam Chair. It was moved by Richard, seconded by Jen to open the hearing. Do we have any 
Um, any anybody comment? No comments. No public comments on this. Oh, well, we have to vote to open. Oh, first. okay. This, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, let's take a vote on that. Jen. Yes. Alicia. Yes. Lori. Yes. John. Yes. Stacy. Yes. Richard. Yes. And I'm a yes too. So. Madam Chair, there are no speakers. There are none. Okay. So I get a motion to close. Moved by John, seconded by Lori. And we'll take that vote too. Jen. Yes. Alicia. Yes. Lori. Yes. John. Yes. Stacy. Yes. Richard. Yes. And I'm a yes on that too. Thank you. Okay. So that concludes um, the, the items. Like I said, informational item has the actual report. Ms. Vasquez, I apologize. I think you need to take a third vote to adopt the resolution. It's a two-part, one item. Sorry. And the resolution. Oh, I see. That's right. Okay, because we closed it, and then we. Okay. All right. So now can I get a motion to adopt the resolution? Now, moved by Lori, seconded by Jen. Now we take that vote. Whereas. Jen? Yes. Alicia? Yes. Lori? Yes. John? Yes. Stacy? Yes. Richard? Yes. And I'm a yes. Okay. Actual resolution passes. Um, like I said, information item one has a report. We have the next uh, general public comments. Yes, Madam Chair, colleagues, we have three people who'd like to address us this evening. Um, requests have been made to address items not on our agenda. Um, as, as as is our practice, we'll first um, go to the speakers who are here with us in person this evening. That'll be first speaker, Nikki Kolhoff. Second will be Lydia Moraro. And then we have one speaker in the Zoom world tonight. That's Wendy Dembo. Um, welcome back, Ms. Kolhoff. You'll have three minutes to address the Board of Education. As a point of order first, um, the way you avoid discussing something from the diocese to appropriately bring it as a discussion item first. That's when you get to talk about it. I know you guys all know that. Okay, speaking of student safety, soccer is still a problem. So much administrative time is being spent on CYA efforts and propping up the coach because the admin views the one thing that would fix this, hiring a new coach, as an admission of failure. Your staff continues to put their own egos above the kids' well-being. As you recall, a petition by 126 players and parents was submitted in April. The request was simple, a community meeting. Yet to this day, we have not received a response from the San Mojai admin, the district admin, or any of you on the school board. Individual meetings were offered over the summer with two days' notice. There was no acknowledgement of the petition and the families would be outnumbered by the administration present with no record, just like the last two years. This obviously wasn't a sincere effort to get to the bottom of anything. A group meeting with the admin was the least offensive thing the team could have possibly asked for and you still couldn't do it. The students wanted the support of their teammates so they would feel safe telling their collective story. The students also didn't want to meet with the admin without their parents because they wanted witnesses to their complaints. We all wanted accountability. But you allowed, if you allowed a community meeting to take place, then the complaints would become real. And you couldn't hide anymore, Dr. Shelton. So once again, you plugged your ears and closed your eyes. I requested a copy of SMMUSD's investigation protocols last year, and nobody has provided those. The coaching job was never publicly posted, so your staff didn't even try to find a better coach. 
However, the coach's WhatsApp access was removed because of abusive texts. Several parents have documented screenshots of his abusive speech toward players. Of course, the district received many complaints about that, but they were ignored, belittled, or called, quote, without merit or need for intervention. So why the change to use Remind if everything was so okay? Players have been quitting, including, including those you already heard from in this room. They're no longer on the team because you failed to help them. The only communications from the coach this year are obviously drafted by admin and make bizarre exculpatory, exculpatory statements such as, we will not encourage your son to transition from one club to another when kids reported he did exactly that and there are texts to prove it. Another example, we encourage as many athletes as possible to participate in more sports, but he cut people and where are those apologies? The district just can't admit it made a mistake. Therefore, instead of fixing the thing, it just covers things up. They've spent so much time and effort in denial that they are incapable of acknowledging the violations and the harm caused to the students. They refuse to validate the students' pain. Restorative practices apparently do not apply to harm, harm caused by district staff. Thank you, Ms. Kohlhoff. Our next um, public speaker is Lydia Moraro. Welcome, Ms. Moraro. You have three minutes to address the Board of Education. Good evening. So I'd like to bring your attention tonight to the um, the certificated personnel election and separation from the last board meeting of September 7. And on page three, as I emailed you, I was gonna to refer to um, the um, ISP expenses uh, to run the ISP program and the evaluation of these packets um, on five teachers at the middle school level, we are spending 300 hours per teachers to the tune of $60 an hour plus benefits for a total of $90,000 plus benefits um, to inspect packets of kids that are not even educated in physical education in our district. That's 1,500 hours on children that do not attend the school for physical education. What are we doing? We got three of these teachers at JAMS. Last year, we had 80 students in ISP at JAMS. That's 900 hours spent on these packets. What are we doing? This is crazy. Not only the packets are crazy because the kids are doing the ISP, they're already spending 20 hours doing their sport. But on top of that, they have to go and clown around somebody for 300 hours um, because they have to show that they can also juggle in addition to fence or climb or do other stuff. Um, I'll note here that there is also uh, just one uh, Malibu teacher that's getting this money. Um, I can't imagine that there is um, more than 80 students at Malibu that are in ISP, yet Malibu only has three, uh, one teacher to take care of that, one jams has three. Already the whole thing is just like liberation. In addition to this 300 hours, each of these teachers gets an additional six hours to meet about ISP. And um, Richard Bertone is the um, department chair. So on top of that, plus this, he gets an additional six EDUs to help all the department. 
when does that man sleep? I mean, he has a full-time job. He has six additional EDUs to handle the department, plus 300 hours to look at packets, plus six hours to, um, to discuss ISP. Um, then in that six hours thing, which is less offending, but there is a person named Brian, who is the sports facility coordinator. I don't even know what that means in terms of educating students in physical education. Thank you, Ms. Brown. Uh, colleagues will now move to Wendy Dimbo. Wendy, welcome. Ms. Dimbo, excuse me. Welcome. Uh, Ms. Dimbo, you have three minutes to address the Board of Education. Hello, Board and Dr. Shelton. Um, the other day, I sent you a graph that I made by um, going through last year's master schedule and pulling um, all of the classes, but actually I forgot one. So there are 14 classes that are taught at the PBL and then also taught at SAMO. But the classes at the PBL are incredibly small. For example, the pre-calc trig class has six children in it. So a teacher's teaching six kids there, but at SAMO, all the classes have um, many more. I think the class with the fewest kids has 26. So there are 20 more kids that in theory could be taught by that same teacher. So if there, are, I know my daughter Ruby is in Project Lead the Way and she takes the normal classes at SAMO and then she takes the special Project Lead the Way class. And I know that you're spending money on personal development to have teachers learn about project-based um, um, project learning. So it seems that if you were able to move the PBL to SAMO, then there could be traditional classes for geometry. And then some kids would be able to have the PBL version of geometry. Because right now, for example, um, English nine has three classes, two with 14 kids and one with two kids. Well, there's one Samoan class. Um, most of the Samoan classes from last year had um, 22 to 26 kids in them. And I know from my daughter's class this year, they've um, increased the size of English classes this year. Um, in fact, my daughter's um, Latin class because it was deemed that 14 kids at SAMO was too small of a class. So um, they've combined 14 kids from Latin two with 14 kids from Latin three and three kids from Latin five. And the one Latin teacher is teaching that. So it just doesn't really seem fair or equitable that their classes with six or two kids at the PBL and since it's under the auspices of SAMO, they're learning the same things, perhaps in a different way. But it, it just seems like you're spending a huge amount of money on these kids. And um, my daughter had four friends from Lincoln who went to the PBL. Two have moved back to SAMO. One moved to another school and one is there. So I'm not sure it's really working well, but you're spending a huge Thank you, Ms. Dimbo. Uh, Madam Chair, colleagues, that concludes the public comments for items not on our agenda this evening.
Thank you, Richard. Um, okay, we now we leave it open to any future board member items or comments from board members. Any comments? The only thing I would I'm was remiss in the beginning that um, usually I like to open the meetings in memory of somebody or in appreciation of someone. And I know that um, I and I just got the information too late into into the meeting, but. Um, we would like to close in memory of Kitty Donahue. And I'll leave it up to, I think these are several of the board members that actually knew Kitty Donahue from Roosevelt, who we love teacher. John? I think the last time we as board members saw Kitty, um, Kitty Donahue, who was a uh, Second, and I believe did some looping in third grade teacher at Roosevelt for the past 35 years. We saw her at uh, our retirement ceremony where we recognize all of our employees. Um, she was in just wonderful spirits and was really excited about the next stage in her life where she was, had released a book that she had published um, and unfortunately found out within 48 hours of that meeting that uh, of her diagnosis. And while she fought bravely, um, she did succumb to that a few weeks ago. Uh, I'll just share a little bit about Kitty. I, I did not know that I would be speaking on this tonight, but I, I do have a story that I want to share. So Kitty has been married for the past, I'd say, 15 years to a lovely man named Homie, who was our technology consultant at Roosevelt. And we were switching to our smart board technology, our smart board rollout. And I had the pleasure of taking Homie to all the classes to figure out where the smart boards would go and take a look. And we walked into Kitty's class while she was teaching. And if looks could kill, we would have withered right there with the audacity of us walking into her classroom. And then she saw the handsome man that I was with and she kind of mellowed out a little bit and then found every excuse in the book to ask for tech support. And she and Homie were inseparable after that. And it's just, it's one of those crazy things that you just can't, you can't believe it, but um, just serendipitous. And they were, they were together and, and for up, up until the end, um, just, I, I wanna just share the impact of Kitty now at Roosevelt, if you swing by. Um, a lot of the students, you know, we talked about, there's, there's the unfortunate situation where the classes got a little larger um, for third grade, but one of the benefits of that is those students who lost their teacher the year before now are with their friends and teachers who are helping them. So if you go, her door is covered with post-its. It started with the class from last year, and now it's extended to any kid, any student at Roosevelt or students that graduated from Roosevelt who are coming back to put a post-it note up. And it reminds me of, I don't want to get religious, but I'll, I'll share a philosophy that I think is important for educators everywhere. That And it's about how people judge legacy. And in the Jewish religion, you are judged, according to this philosophy, you're judged three times. You're judged on Yom Kippur, which we just had, Day of Atonement. You're judged upon your passing. And then even though the third one, it's not realistic, you're judged at the, you know, the resurrection. Um, and the theory of that is you can't judge the impact of a human's life within their lifespan, that it takes decades, centuries, millennia to see the impact of a single person. 
And when I think back to the number of children who Kitty educated over 35 years in this community, her legacy will be felt as long as there is a community in Santa Monica. And I think that is why what you do, Dr. Shelton, and what Dr. Kelly and Melody and, and Gail and Tara Brown and whoever else is here, whoever else is here, um, Dr. Williamson, Harry, um, you're here to pass that legacy to a community. And um, I know that Kitty, Kitty's memory will be a blessing for this community. So thank you, Kitty, for what you gave to this town, your students, and, and we, we miss you dearly. Thank you. I can just add one thing to the, uh, some of us received an email from one of um, Kitty's former families, and I just wanted to read it without saying the person. Um, Kitty, uh, she, uh, she was the most influential and loving teacher in the entirety of my kids' lives thus far. She was one of my favorite human beings on the planet. She was a truly benevolent person who shared her light and passion with everyone. We will miss her. I mean, we forgot Julie in that one too, because you're part of this family. So I guess we include all the educators. Well, I didn't actually have the, oh, you know, my, the privilege of having to know um, Katie all that well. But Dr. Shelton, you told us a story that I thought was remarkable and just lovely. And I just wondered if you wanted to share it. Yeah, yeah it was the coolest thing, John. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that. It was the coolest thing. I just so happened I had some time um, and I ran over to Roosevelt to see how everybody was doing. And I walk out of the office and the admin assistant uh, greets with a hug like elementary does. Um, and uh, one of the teachers, uh, I forgot his name, um, Ostrom, Mike walks up. Uh, Mike is pretty awesome. Mike says, I know this is fifth grade, but this is the strangest thing that just happened. He said, we read her book about the firefly. And he said, as soon as the kids, uh, they, they were, you know, they were into it and they left the room. When they came back, they were like, we see Miss Donovan. We see Kitty. And he's like, what is going on? We just saw her. And he's like, what is going on with y'all? Y'all, this is strange. And uh, so they sit in the fireflies that are outside. And uh, Mike was just like, he was just done, you know, because she was there. And in the eyes of our kids, she was there. And in fifth grade, those kids saw her in those fireflies. And he said, I ran outside to see what the PE teacher, was this true? And the teacher said, we never had fireflies over here. He said, but they were there. So her presence lives on in the writings that she shared and in the students, as you said, John, that she has impacted and they saw her that day. And that was the most beautiful thing, uh, you know, Mike was saying it was one of the most beautiful things that just confirms what we knew and who she was. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you all for sharing. And Again, we, we close our condolences to the family and um, we close in her memory. Um, can I get a motion to adjourn? Moved by Lori, seconded by Jen, and we all raise our hands, aye? Okay. So the meeting is closed, has ended. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.